up, y'all? This is another episode of King Truth Podcast. This is your host, King Truth. I'm coming with to you with another episode. Um, before I get to it, man, subscribe to the podcast. Um, rate it. Leave a review. Also, man, follow me on Instagram at King Truth Podcast. Um, that's my Instagram handle. Uh, you can send me messages on there on any topic that you want to talk about. But yeah, follow me on Instagram. So today, um, I'm going to talk about some news that has hit the wire, some important stuff. Um, the Supreme Court is actually getting ready to hear the Curtis Flowers case on racial bias and jury selection. And in the black community, whenever any of us go on trial, we know that that happens. Um, but here's a little background on it. And then I'm going to talk about it a little bit as well as um, the situation going on down in Florida. So Curtis Flowers was He's been in prison in Mississippi for 22 years. And this is even when the prosecution couldn't get a murder conviction to stick through five trials. Um, his first three convictions were tossed out. Two other juries couldn't reach a unanimous uh, verdict. But he got convicted on the sixth try. And... How he got convicted is why this case is going to the Supreme Court. Um, he was convicted, was given a death sentence, uh, in the sixth trial. And the Supreme Court is considering whether that should stand or be overturned, uh, for a reason that is very familiar in our community. The prosecutors improperly kept African-Americans off the jury. So how they did this, um, he, the, um, prosecution vowed like they, they kept 15. This is the, how the third conviction was, um, overturned. The prosecutor whose name is Doug Evans, decided to exclude 15 black prospective jurors from participating in that case. That was the third conviction that was overturned. The, during the sixth uh, trial, the one that he got convicted on and was sentenced to death, he excluded five black jurors from participating in that case. Now, here's what happened. Here's why this man was up um, for trial. Uh, July 16th, 1996 is when all this started. And that's when four people were found dead inside Turdy Furniture in Winona, Mississippi. Uh, a person was shot in the head. Uh, the owner of the furniture store, Bertha Turdy, she was 59, and three employees, uh, 45-year-old Carmen Rigby, 42-year-old Robert Golden, and 16-year-old Derek Stewart. Um, after that, the 
police officials arrested and charged Curtis Flowers for the murder. And they said that the reason why Flowers killed these people is he was a disgruntled former employee employee who sought revenge against Turdy because she fired him and withheld most of his um, check. Nearly $300 was found missing after the killings. So he goes to trial for the first time. They can't get an, uh They get a conviction, but it's overturned. They go to trial a second time. They get a conviction, but it's overturned. They go to trial a third time. They get a conviction. It's overturned. The fourth and fifth time, the jury could not come back with a unanimous decision to convict. So then he gets convicted um, the sixth time, which is in 2010. Now, mind you, this has been going on since 96. They finally get a conviction. in two- So this has been going on since 96. They finally get a conviction in 2010. Um, the first two cases were overturned because Evans impermissibly introduced evidence relating to all four deaths in the case where Flowers was on trial for killing only one person. The second trial, Evans got in trouble for striking black jurors. So that's strike one. And then the state Supreme Court overturned the third verdict, citing racial bias and removing jurors. So that's the third case. That's strike two. So we get to the sixth case. He's convicted. Um, but he excluded just like he did in the second trial and in the third trial, he excluded black jurors. Now the whole purpose, the sixth amendment says that we have a right to a speedy trial. We are also given the right to have a trial with the jury of our peers, which means the jury should look like the community. Now, uh, in, I don't know if you're familiar with this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. That will be, um, A Time to Kill with Matthew McConaughey and, uh, Samuel Jackson. And there's a scene in it where the prosecutor is talking to his, his little intern guy. And he's like, what we're trying to do is we're trying to prevent black jurors from being seated for this case. Because the town that they were in, it, I think he said it was like 30% black or something like that. So, which means that 30% of the jurors should be represented by a black face. Should be. But both attorneys have an opportunity to voir dire the jurors that are selected for the jury pool. And pretty much what a voir dire is, is your pretty much trying to discredit certain jurors that you feel would go against your case. But with the Wadir, it is still supposed to be fairly equal and it's supposed to be fair. But what the prosecutor was doing was he was Wadiring all the black jurors and getting them 
tossed so he can have an all white jury. An all white jury in Mississippi, 10 times out of 10 is going to convict, which is exactly what they did. So the Supreme Court is actually listening to this case. And I think this is a big case because it will change how prosecutors, especially here in the South, handle cases instead of um, stacking a jury uh, like the jury pool, stacking the jury with, you know, if you got a black defendant stacking the jury with white with a white jury or if you got a white defendant stacking the jury with a black, you know, with black people in the jury, it is to ensure that we get equal rights in the courtroom. I mean, justice is blind. At least that's what they say. But when attorneys, when prosecutors are doing this, there's no way that we can win inside the courtroom. And I think with the decision that the Supreme Court will make on this will determine if any other cases gets overturned because of attorneys doing this. Um, when Flowers or anybody else um, goes like if Flowers gets off because it's, it's, he, he's been two two trials, they couldn't come up with a verdict. So I don't know if he committed the crime. I don't know um, if somebody else committed the crime and they just picked him out. I don't know. I just know the facts that three of the trials were overturned by the Supreme Court and the Mississippi Supreme Court, not U.S. Supreme Court. And two of them had hung juries. So if that's the case, then maybe he didn't do it. You know, if two, if you get two hung juries on the same trial and this has been going on since 97 so we are now at the 22 year mark for mr flowers who's who's been locked up and he's sentenced to death so this is practically his life um in the balance of the supreme court you know if the supreme court rules in favor of the prosecution he's gonna die if the supreme court um rules for him then it may be able to um it may be able to save his life and he can be a free man now in the course of selecting a jury right lawyers question potential jurors and they try to weed out people for specific reasons including unwillingness to impose a death sentence or personal relationships with people involved in the case and both sides can can excuse the juror merely because of suspicion that a particular person would vote against their client. Uh, those are called peremptory strikes, and they have been the focus of the clients about discrimination. Now, here's a stat about District Attorney Evans. He has removed juries at four and a half times the rate that he struck down white jurors. 
Um, so they analyzed 6,700 jurors in 225 trials over 26 years. So four and a half times more, he removed black jurors than he did white jurors. And the Supreme Court, they tried to, um, stop discrimination in the composition of jurors, uh, with a case that they had in 1986 called, um, Batson versus, versus Kentucky. And in that court ruling, the jurors couldn't be excused from service because of their race and set up a system by which trial judges could evaluate claims of discrimination and the race neutral explanations of prosecutors. Um, Judge Thurgood Marshall was part of that case, the Batson versus Kentucky case. But he said the only way to end discrimination in jury selection was to eliminate peremptory strikes, which I agree. Um, now, this is why the case has ended up at the Supreme Court. So Flowers took his appeal. He um, appealed to the appellate court. It went to the Mississippi Supreme Court. And the justices of the Mississippi Supreme Court reexamined racial bias issues in his case um, following a high court ruling in favor of a Georgia inmate because of a racially discriminatory jury. So they because of the Georgia case, Mississippi looked at theirs, looked at this case, but they upheld the verdict in a five four decision against Flowers and the state. Defending the conviction argues that justices must narrow the focus from Evans' broader record to the case at hand. And this is what um, Assistant Attorney Ge uh, General Jason Davis, uh, who will be arguing this case for the state, said. He stated any potential relief must be confined to the events of this and his most recent conviction and sentence. So what they're trying to say is that they're arguing that each of the five black women who were removed from the jury were struck for legitimate reasons, that they knew Flowers, worked with his relatives, had been sued by tardy furniture, or opposed the death penalty on principle. So what they're trying to do is say... Forget about the other five cases. Forget about the other five trials that we had on this guy. Just focus on the sixth one. But you can't do that if this prosecutor has a pattern. And the pattern shows. And I personally believe, I don't know, with the with the makeup of our Supreme Court as it is right now. I hope that he gets the justice that he deserves, which is if this prosecutor was stacking the jury, then he should be let free or at least granted a new trial with a new jury. That is a jury of his peers. But with this Supreme Court that we have and the way that Donald Trump has stacked it, um, I don't foresee him getting the outcome that he wants. 
already in Georgia, there was another incident where a gentleman was on trial. Well, he wasn't on trial. He was convicted in 1991 for um, murder. He killed um, he killed his wife's best friend and then raped his well wife or girlfriend. I was trying to read the court documents, uh, but he ended up killing her best friend and then raping her. Um, so he was in, he ended up being convicted in 1991. Now, after his conviction, the attorneys that he had were going to appeal his conviction. They interviewed one of the jurors, um, in that case. And they noticed that one of the jurors who was a white gentleman, um, was a very racist white gentleman. Um, his name was Gaddy. Um, and he was one of the jurors on his case. And this is what they took to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court upheld his conviction. But they did an interview. Um, they interviewed Gaddy. And these are the statements that he said. Forgive me. There's going to be some some strong language in here. Uh, among the things that Gaddy said was there's a difference between good black folks like the victims thought murdered and niggers. He owned a store and routinely kicked niggers out of it. This is Gaddy. Gaddy said he owned a store and routinely kicked niggers out of it. He voted for the death penalty because he thinks Thorpe is a nigger. He also stated if Nicole Brown Simpson hadn't married a nigger, OJ Simpson, she would still be alive. He also stated that he, he wondered if black people even had souls. And then at the end of the interview, it, he said that some of the jurors wanted Thorpe to serve as an example for blacks and who kills blacks. So they took this to the 11th circuit court, but on the day of his scheduled uh, execution, well, the 11th circuit court ruled that uh, Gaddy's racial bias wasn't enough to prove that he was biased in his vote to convict. And then on the day of his scheduled com uh, execution, which was September of 2017, the Supreme Court sent the case back to the 11th district. And on Monday, the justices freed uh, Georgia to set an execution date. And in that, um, allowing Georgia to set that date, they explained that Thorpe had not met the procedural burdens necessary to reopen his case. Writing separately, Justice Sotomayor agreed with the decision because Thorpe's uh, representation had not raised the question of racial bias in a timely fashion. So Thorpe didn't have the his attorneys suck pretty much. He had terrible attorneys. So. The Supreme Court has already heard one case of racial bias with the jury. And they ruled that 
hey, we're going to send this back down to the other court and let them sort this out. With this one, the Supreme Court's going to hear it. I think they'll listen to it. I'm looking for, it's going to be a 5-4 vote. But the question is, we know that the four Republicans are going to, four Republicans are going to uphold the verdict. Four Democrats are going to look at it and they're going to pretty much cancel the verdict. It's going to come down to, um, Justice Roberts and which direction that he goes. Is he going to stick with the verdict, vote party line, or is he going to follow the facts and the truth of this case and vote accordingly to the Constitution? So I'm going to be watching this one, uh, very closely and as this goes on, I will be, you know, making updates on this case. So that is what's happening in the Supreme Court. Then we have the illustrious state of Florida. I don't know what it is about the state of Florida, but um, they tend to be in the news a lot for stuff that they shouldn't do. So, as we know, the 2018 election, the state of Florida voted on Amendment 4, which stated that um, ex-inmates will have the ability to regain their voting rights in the state of Florida. So, we're looking at like 1.6 million people um, who were denied the right to vote and this includes 20% of all black residents within the state were now on their way of getting their right to vote. Um, now this is how impactful this is. If they were able, uh, this, this argument about them getting the right to vote, uh, I'm sorry. This argument could have made uh, that would be Florida governor uh, Andrew Gilliam was an amendment for away from being elected in office. So if those people, those residents, those 1.6 million residents who have a prior record that is preventing them from voting, um, and 20% of them being black, that could have helped Andrew Gilliam. Now, with this amendment that they voted for and they passed, uh, well, it, pretty much the citizens voted for it. It's now, um, pretty much law. Uh, it excludes murder, murderers and sex offenders, which I agree. It should, it should exclude them. But for nonviolent criminals, then, Hey, let's let them, you know, let them vote, man. They ain't do nothing to lose. I mean, yeah, they may have sold a little drugs here. They may have, you know, robbed some people. Um, but give them the right to vote. If they're free now, let them have that right to vote. Well, that saying that fairy tale endings only happen in Disney movies. It's a true statement. Um, 
Republicans in Florida have pretty much came up with a plan to restrict these voting rights from these people. Um, so what the Republicans are doing in Florida, they're, they're, they came up with this plan to restrict voting rights from the same felons who just got their rights restored in November. So today, what they did is they passed a bill that will require that all court fines, fees, and other financial obligations, such as like civil court judgments, they have to be paid in full for uh, their voting rights to be reinstored or be restored. Now, previously, former felons were only required to pay back restitution to their victim prior to applying to have their rights restored. Now, this is how I see it. And I see it the same way that uh, Democratic representative in Florida, Adam Hart, uh, Hattersley, sees it. And this is what he said to the Tampa Bay Times. He said it's blank is blatantly unconstitutional as a poll tax. And that's what it is. In the in the 50s and the 60s and the 40s, in order to vote, you had to pay a poll tax. And some places like in Alabama, it would force you to take a test. That was how you gained your right to vote. And what this is doing is um, pretty much reinstating a poll tax, but it's only going towards these felons, right? Now, Florida is saying that it's not a poll tax. All they're doing is trying to follow statute and following the testimony of what was presented before the Florida Supreme Court, explicitly acknowledging that fines and court costs are part of a sentence. So they're trying to follow that statute. But the people of Florida have already spoken. What these Republicans are doing is going against the people in Florida who wants to have these felons get their rights to vote back, which is pretty much how politicians work. We vote you into office with the hopes that you're going to um, do what we ask you to do, not do your own thing, do what we ask you to do. So in Florida, they asked the, the Florida governor, the Florida government, reinstate these felons, right? Give them their voting rights. Now the Republicans is like, hey, we're going to add something on top of that, and this will prevent them from getting their voting rights. This is all in preparation of the 2020 election, because if these 1.6 million voters, million residents get their voting rights back, and of that 1.6 million, 20% of them are black, then Florida could flip and become a democratic state. Republicans in Florida do not want that to happen. They want to keep Florida a Republican state. So this is what is happening in the state of Florida. Um, 
The bill also expands how felony sexual offenses and murder are defined. Uh, Even though they're excluded from former felons getting their rights. You know, if you're a murderer or a sex offender of any kind, you're not getting your right to vote. But this is what they put in this bill. While there have been discussions about expanding the definition of murder to exclude to include attempted murder and manslaughter. In the end, the bill only lists first and second degree murder as exceptions. So if you have an attempted murder charge or a manslaughter charge, technically you can get your voting rights back because that's um, not in the murder definition. But the bill does add dozens of sex related offenses to the list of crimes that bar felons from automatically getting voting rights back, including trafficking, locating and locating an adult entertainment store within 2,500 feet of a school. The bill also will require the Department of State and Corrections to share information on a voter's or potential voter's felony history and eligibility. Um, ACLU, they're pretty much against this bill, which I agree. Um, they say it sounds like some convenient meddling to purposely derail upcoming 2020 election. Uh, the bill, this is what, um, the ACLU political director, Kirk Bailey said, he said it's an effort to floor, it's an affront to Florida voters. Uh, he said it's overbroad, overbroad, vague, and thwarts the will of the people. This is exactly what we were worried about from the beginning. He also added it will inevitably prevent individuals from voting based on the size of one's bank account. To allow a government employee or financial institution to determine whether someone can or cannot vote is not a good idea. So in Florida, the people voted to reinstate these people's right to vote. Republicans in the House came up with a bill to go against the voters in their districts. So my only... um advice for the people in Florida vote them suckers out because they're not doing what you want them to do. They're not doing what your voice told them to do. They're like, screw your vote. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Um, so that's, that's my suggestion to them. Get them out. They got to go put somebody in that's going to listen to your votes. So, those are two of the stories that, you know, I've been watching on the news, like following online on different uh, news outlets. Um, and this is more towards how criminal justice and the government constantly works against us, whether it's stacking a jury with all white jurors denying felons the right to vote after they were given the right to vote. Um, we just have to step up. We have to lift our voice. We need action. We need to start demanding uh, these rights. And man, 
we got to be vocal. We just can't sit back and watch and let all of this just happen. We have to be vocal, um, not just with our vote, but with our presence. You know, go to the governor's man, uh, go to the governor's office, you know, show up at a representative, a house of representative vote or a Senate vote. It's perfectly legal for us to be there. We can be there to witness these votes and we can also express our displeasure for how they're voting, especially if it's something that will benefit us or whether it's something that will um, affect us in a negative. So I just suggest, you know, be vocal Man, go and be seen, be heard, and let these politicians know, man, the time of not doing something for us is over. We are going to be vocal. And the state of Florida, those Republicans have got to go. And this district attorney down in Mississippi has got to go. So... That does it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank y'all for listening. Again, subscribe to the to the podcast, rate the podcast, leave a review. Also, follow me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is King Truth Podcast. Follow me on there. You can leave me a message, uh, you know, with suggestions. Tell me whether you like the show or you don't like the show. Um, or just, you know, if you want to just give me some positive, uh, positive words, words of encouragement, I'll take those too. So that does it for this episode. I want to thank y'all for listening. Uh, y'all have a good evening. And I'll talk to y'all next time. Peace.